Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Derek Jeter does a commercial for it now. It's a very lovely commercial, Derek Jeter, and I assume that's his wife. It's a lovely commercial, and the subtext is the Grand Wagoneer has brought them together and then given them a lifestyle that's wonderful. <laughs> and nobody says, wait, hold it, that's, that's Derek Jeter. That's like some slob who buys a, a Wagoneer is not living the Derek Jeter lifestyle. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. The only reason that I mentioned that, and I'm apologizing up front for my voice and sneezing and coughing, I still have a cold. It is an American cold. It is not COVID. Nigel's tested me twice, and I am negative both times. But the only reason I mentioned all of that stuff was because my recollection of the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer is that they are very, very large and do not have the traditional Jeep um, what is that called? Grill? Grill. Grill. Which, which to me is, if not the most recognizable, one of the one or two or three most recognizable fronts of a car. Sure. And you, and you, you have a certain comfort with knowing that year after year, this... Like even, the Jurassic Park grill. Right. Even with small, you know, modifications, <laughs> this is a what Jeep you're is going a Jeep. to get. A Jeep is a Jeep. One Gregory Thomas Garcia took exception to much of what I said. <laughs> As I talked about Carol liking Jeeps and yeah. Michael and Elizabeth driving Jeeps and me every once in a while getting into the Jeep. Yeah, the red Jeep. The red Jeep, the early Jeep, the 1999 Jeep. Dear Tony, as a regularly ridiculed owner of a Subaru, I was shocked to hear you gushing over your Jeep on Friday. A Jeep? Really? You own a Jeep and you have the audacity to throw stones at the Subaru? Have you seen Jeep's marketing and branding? I'm curious how it's any less vomit-inducing than the Subaru campaign. One of my favorite Jeep commercials has the following voiceover. If you really want to find out what you're made of, you can forget the personality test and social media quizzes. Because the only way you're ever going to know is to head into the big, wild, raging, so damn beautiful it hurts world and finding out for yourself. Were you born to follow a path or were you born free? I've been trying to picture... You, Tony, and the visuals that accompany that cringeworthy monologue. Would you be the one rock climbing? Um, would you be the one rock climbing? The one laying in a hammock with one side tied to the back bumper and the other attached to a mighty oak? Or perhaps you're the guy base jumping off a cliff or the one-legged woman jogging through the muddy desert. Maybe it's just me, but when I hear Jeep's slogan, the farther you go, the better it gets, it doesn't sound like the mantra of a man who has to stop at three different shopping centers driving from D.C. to Rehoboth to walk around in order to get the hitch out of his giddy-up. Also, according to their website, Jeep owners are known as Jeepers. Jeepers? Jeepers. Creepers. That's terrible. Anyway, I just wanted you to know that I will no longer hold my head in shame for having a Subaru in my household because I hate to break it to you. That Cherokee in your driveway is merely a Subaru in Jeep's clothing. <laughs> Your pal and proud Subi, Greg Garcia. <laughs> Subi. Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Absolutely Greg. Absolutely wonderful. We got another fabulous email um, from Matthew Cross. Tony, long-time listener. I love the PTI show. You and Michael are fantastic. I realize it's a bit late since you haven't spoken about Capital One in quite a while. And I will just add parenthetically, I see no need to speak of it anymore. They're uh, voracious, robbing people. That's, that's all they are. I worked for Capital One for almost a decade, and it occurred to me the other day that the only thing that got them to do anything for a customer was a complaint to the office of president. 
Here are the founder, Rich Fairbanks, and the head of financial services, Sanjeev Yannick's email addresses. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's fantastic. That's a keeper. Yes. Speaking of keepers, this one is not a keeper because of the nature of actual nature. I hope people saw the full moon on Sunday and then last night and this morning before it set. Moon sets in the west just like the sun, I think. I think so. Could be. I don't I think I'll so. I'll have to check with know. NASA on that one. But it's beautiful. I this saw this morning. I saw this gorgeous. morning. Gigantic. Yes. Just a beautiful, beautiful moon. And um, <clears throat> we want to uh, applaud <clears throat> politely our friend Steve Sands for going to and being very close to the stage. Yes. At a Bruce Springsteen concert who sent us a little bit of Bruce singing Thunder Road and said the only thing missing was Liz Clark. But for <laughs> all we know, she was there. She could have I mean, been. It's conceivable that she was there. Yes. Pebble Beach was over the weekend. It didn't finish. It finishes today. But the uh, pro-am part was finished, and Aaron Rodgers won as the am. As the some issues with this. Well, <clears throat> I heard at one point in the telecast on Saturday, I heard that Aaron Rodgers was playing to a 10. I have played with Aaron Rodgers in my life four or five years ago. I played with Aaron Rodgers and other famous people who have been elected to high offices. And I thought Aaron Rodgers was a three or a four. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was good. Yeah, he's really good. Aaron Rodgers is really good. Now, it's possible that he's, his number has gone up a little bit. I need to ask Michael about this because since all your babies were born, you don't get to play nearly as much golf as you did. And, you know, your number has risen, I'm sure, from where it was. What would you say you were and are? I, if I was a, you know, plus one, scratch, wherever, I'd probably be a one or a two right now. But at the same time, I still can, you know, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Right. Uh, so it just depends on if you're playing in rhythm. I think for the quarterbacks, they probably give them a bit of an adjust. Because they've been they're playing coming off the season. season. Yeah. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers was looking for someone to complain about it if he didn't win. Ten is closer to me than it is to you. Ten's a lot of strokes when you, when Ten's you see a lot. the tees that they're playing from. And again, they, they have to... They only, have to finish, is a good they only have to finish half the holes because their pro is going to be in with a, you know, with a real par or better <clears throat> yeah. uh, the majority of the time. But you think about the par fives that you don't see. They're playing 500-yard par fives. Most of those he's going to be on, in, or near in regulation. He's going to make an, a lot of easy five fours. I'm happy for him that he won. I'm just saying, if he's a 10 now, he hasn't played in two years. You know, and, and I don't think that's true. I think he plays a lot. I love just watching Josh Allen over the weekend. He's good. Josh Allen's good, too. Yeah. Oh, is he pretty good? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's a golf nut. Are, they, like as what's good, in the bag. are they as good as Steph Curry and Larry Fitzgerald? Um, I don't know that they're as good as Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry is scratch. Oh, really? I don't know about Larry Fitzgerald. He may not be scratch, but he plays a lot. He's wearing some good logos uh, out he, of the yeah, course. He's, was it, so our friend Nate Bargatze. I was going to ask you, you don't get ESPN Plus, do you? No, I don't know what so it is. So Bargatze got on some, uh, you know, uh, featured coverage because he was in the early group. So he's one with of the Larry. Days, he's yeah, with... he was with he was with Fitzgerald, and he forgot to bring the rain gear for the first couple holes. It looked like, and it looked like he was wearing just a wool sweater that kept getting just getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah. So Bargatze is a very funny guy, and some people will remember that he played with Michael and myself and Tom Jones, not that Tom Jones, at um, at Columbia. And he wanted to play the way back tees, but I think you pushed him up to the back tees, not the way back tees. Because you haven't seen a course, you know. You, just because you have a number in mind of how long a course is, Columbia is not a long course, doesn't mean you should go all the way to the back. 
So you brought him up to the Blues, and he was fine. He probably shot around 80 or something sure. like that. Sure. I don't remember what he shot, but again, you're also trying to play with, with the group. So if you yeah. and, and Tom are playing from the, uh, the White Tees, you want to sort of be in the same zip code when you're going back. Yeah. So, and we liked him very, very much. Well, he wrote me this uh, text when I, when I said, you're playing to an eight, huh? Because they said he was playing to an eight. He says, I'm playing to a seven. He said, I took Larry Fitzgerald for $500 the other day. We pushed today. We're going for a grand tomorrow. I'll let you know. <laughs> that new Netflix special's doing well. Yeah, he didn't let me know. And, and he's Garcia's friend. Greg was the one who told me that Bargazzi was in the tournament. So we wish him all the luck in the world. Happy for a while that Denny McCarthy, local product, Denny McCarthy, University of Virginia, Argyle Country Club. Am I correct on Argyle? Yeah, it sounded like you could hear some of the Argyle guys when he was uh, uh, hit his approach shot into 15, I think his second to last hole yesterday before they called it. Shot uh, a 29 on the front. Yeah. Well, Oof. he's minus seven on the front. Probably the best putter this area has ever seen. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's not going to win. He, he bogeyed 13 and 14. He's not going to win, but he's going to be top five probably. Yeah, he still, has a, he still has a par five to go that he gets to play in calmer conditions today, but it, yeah. looks, it does not look like Rose is going to give it up. No, J- Justin Rose is going to win the tournament. Does top five get you shop credit or glassware? Glassware. It okay. often gets you glassware. Okay. Shop credit would be great. Yeah, I'll just tell nice. this one story and I'll get out of here. I have a very bad cough and I'm sneezing a lot. And again, it's not, it's not COVID. I mean, according to the test because that Nigel Ni- brought because over. Because Nigel's administered three tests for you. you know, I do have a doctor's satchel, so that makes me I, some of Did you bring did one you... over for today? I should take another one Are they today. expired? Oh, you should have some left over from the weekend. Yes. I don't know where they are. Some of the ones yeah. I gave you a few expired. weeks ago, I think, were expired. <laughs> Aunt Joni's here. It's a lot of house. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a lot of house. So, <laughs> what is when she asks a guy, can I, can I put you on social media? Did you yeah. see my friend yeah. request? Yeah, have you responded to my Facebook no, request yet? just ducks it. He just ducks it. So I got this cough. I got this cough and I learned how to make it talk. Um, I got this cough and I went over to um, the local CVS in order to get some cough medicine. I haven't bought cough medicine in many, many years because I haven't had a cough in many, many years. Who should I run into at the Safeway but my son and the baby Reed, the captain. The captain in a little pouch, little kangaroo pouch. As Michael, what were you buying? Mushrooms? I mean, that's a weird way to lead that off. I was buying dinner for my family. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were doing a pan-seared pan chicken we with the mushrooms. The, you were in the mushroom Deglaze, a little Savion Blanc. Yeah. Finished with a pat of butter. Come okay. On. So anyway. Nice. So I go over to the CVS and I ask what aisle, and they go 12, 14, whatever the aisle was. And there's not a whole lot of uh, cough syrup there. I warned you. Yeah, there's, there's enough. And I see one familiar brand, Robitussin. Robitussin has been around since I am a child. Yeah, the Tussin. Tussin. Yeah. Is that, you know, and I think a lot of people to used it. to use it to get high. Oh, they used to drink like trip. an entire bottle yes. <laughs> to get high. Yeah. So I was aware that Robitussin is strong. But I'm an adult. I'm an old man. And I figured it, it comes on top of the top is a small plastic container that you fill up to a certain line, yeah, the, 20, guide. the 20 milliliter line, you're allowed to take four 20 milliliter doses in a 24-hour period. Yeah, with kids hooked up on Tylenol Kids and under 12 are not meds. supposed to take Robitussin. I know, I know, but we have, if you ever need one of those little dosage cups, we have plenty. So I, I, I fill a dosage cup with this red liquid, and I know it's going to taste terrible because I remember this in my life. It does taste terrible, but I got water right next to me. And I don't even fill it up to the line. I fill it up a little bit below the line, and I drink it down. And in 15 minutes, 
I am passed out asleep on my bed for yeah. two hours. That's how that works. Yeah, I had was there no like a PM idea. next to the Tussin that you purchased? No, it just it just says extra strength. Oh, I'm telling you, I was passed out for two hours. I stuff was I I may have coughed during that time. I have no idea, but I was dead. That's you know. Well, that's like, is that what it's supposed to do? Well, that's like, I took one more last night. <clears throat> Didn't help me pass out. Didn't. I there was a it comedian that used to do a joke about NyQuil. Because remember the phrase used to be the sniffly, sneezy, achy, yeah. so I can get better medicine? Right, right. He said, it should be the sniffly, sneezy, achy, how the hell did I wake up on my kitchen floor medicine? Right, it's, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and it doesn't leave you the next day. Like, no, you still feel no, it stays with asleep. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's Benadryl's definitely... even worse. I would yeah. never, I mean, I would never, for me to take four doses in a 24-hour period of Robitussin, I would need to be in an emergency room, yeah. sanctioned by a doctor, Ian Warrington. You know, because I, I can't, <laughs> I, this this knocked me out. I, I mean, it knocked me out. Have you taken this in the last few years? I have not, and for some reason, this cough has been through my house, which is probably where you got it from, yeah, but it's, it's everywhere around here. It has not affected me the same way, but I've been dosed up with the pseudonephrine, so. I would tell you that, you know, again, Robitussin is at least 70 years old. I mean, I'm a, I've been aware of it my whole life, and I, I'm not saying I don't trust. I'm not saying it did anything it wasn't supposed to do. I mean, I'm, I'm I surprised didn't you found it so easily because when I've gone to there the only grocery stores or CVS, there's only one. They only have like the the sort of the niche, you know, like uh, the diabetes or high blood pressure Robitussin, and like well, maybe that's what I got. I mean, I didn't have my glasses with me. I didn't read it. I just saw Robitussin, and I said, "That's better than this." Mucinex or whatever, you know, I, I didn't want the other stuff. Mucinex is good. It, I didn't like the sound of the name. No, it's a tough name, but it actually does the trick. Yeah? yeah it's very I good. I should have gotten that? No, Robitussin is very good. I'm just saying Mucinex. So do you know how much these things cost? It's, it's about... Oh, it's probably like, what, $18? It's, it was fifteen ninety nine. Yeah. And it's not, not a real big bottle. Yeah, 15. but you have a CVS card. Well, that doesn't mean you get anything right, off. But if you if you regularly use CVS for those types of purchases, you always have like, would you like to take twenty cents off? Another no, what fifteen I got, cents. What I got? Ten cents. I had a coupon. I had a six dollars off a purchase of thirty dollars or more. There you go. And I got to thirty. So you're when only I half, saw what you're I was doing there. Get some pants. So you know, and I it was on my phone. And he said, "Well, you have to press it." And I go, "Press what?" And he says, "Give it to me." And he pressed <laughs> it, and I got six dollars off. When you walked into the Safeway, you looked unhinged. People were looking at you. Nobody was looking yes, at me. Yes, they re- in the produce aisle, they recognized you. Oh, well, that's different. And you just different. looked unhinged. Well, I was looking for grapefruits with thin skins. If and then, so you went, you went up to the clerk asking if they had the big bag of the grapefruits, and then you complained to me about the price. Well, they were higher than I thought, but I'm an old man. Just don't go to the eggs. Could I have bought Robitussin in the in the Safeway? You, yes, so, yes, but they might not. So that's a, I my bought point. Two they ice probably creams. don't have it. I bought two ice creams, two for eight dollars. I got a coffee and a chocolate, two for eight dollars. Some of these other ice creams, Hagenas, Some of these other ice creams are nine dollars. Mm. Yeah, they're really. I, I got to try one of them at some point. I've never heard of any of them, but I'd never heard of Tillamook. Let's do a taste test. You know, I'd like to try some of these things to make sure they have milk and cream in them, though, and yes. not. Not, not ice and water. No, Non-dairy. No, I don't want that. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Miss Me. It's by a group called Detective Blind. I think I think it's actually, did I write that down correctly? I think it's Hotel. Oh, what is, it says Detective Blind is a band. Yes. And this song is called Hotel. Oh, I thought it was Miss Me. Oh, Hotel. All right, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Detective Blind, this was sent to us by Dan Goldring, who says that Detective Blind, listen carefully to this, is a band of three young sisters. Monty, who's 15, Anderson, who's 12, and Kit, who's 10. Does anybody sound 10 in this? <laughs> sound better than I ever will be. That's <laughs> for wow. sure. Wow. This is called Miss Me. Michael, if people want to send us their original music, like Detective Blind is on, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornersershow.com. I thought it was going to go more of like a King Lear direction. What do you mean? The sisters. Oh, no, I wasn't thinking Shakespearean at that point. Maybe I should have. How old was, was Stevie Wonder when he did Fingertips? Twelve. He was 12, right? 12, Fingertips yeah. Part 1. Part 1. That's yeah, Part right. 1. He was 12 years old. He and I, I think, are the same age. I'm not certain, but I think we're the same age. Um, so we had teased Michael Wilbon in this segment to put him in. As it turns out, he ends up, like right now as we speak, he ends up on an airplane going from Phoenix to Los Angeles where he's going to uh, interview LeBron James, obviously on the occasion of, or preparatory to the occasion of, LeBron James breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time career points total. Now, nobody knows how, what that number is. and Nobody knows. I mean, LeBron may know now, but I guarantee you three months ago, LeBron did not know that number because nobody knows that number because basketball is not a sport of numbers. And Wilbon has asked me to come up with a question for LeBron. If there was any one question I would ask, and on the occasion of breaking this number, this is what I would ask. Because I saw LeBron interviewed about this about a week ago, a little bit more than a week ago. And LeBron didn't know the number. And I don't know the number as I sit here. I think it's either 33,000 and change or 38,000 and change. But I don't know what it is. And I do know, and I knew my whole life, the number 714. And I do know, and I knew my whole life, the number 60. Because baseball numbers are the numbers that matter most. And LeBron James, I'm sure he grew up a Cleveland fan, a baseball fan. I mean, I know he was a football fan of the Dallas Cowboys and a baseball fan of the Yankees, but he grew up with baseball because that's what people grow up with. And the question I would ask is, uh, basketball is not a sport of numbers. Baseball is a sport of numbers. You didn't even know this number a month ago. What is the basketball number that comes quickest to your mind? And I mean, for context, there's two for me. There's a hundred by mm-hmm. Wilt, right? Yeah, that's and there's eleven by Bill Russell. Oh, sure. As champion, it's not. It's a single game number for me. I think more people in basketball know that Kobe had eighty-one than have any idea how many points Kareem had, or even know that Kareem has that. Football is the same way. Brady has all the numbers. You don't know what they are. 
you know that he was in 10 Super Bowls and he won seven. Baseball is different. Nobody really knows how many World Series somebody won, but they know the individual numbers, both season and career. So that would be my question. And we will have Wilbon on Wednesday or Friday because we don't have him on today. I would ask him if his dog has eaten anything particularly interesting. That's wonderful. And and if he has regrets that he never got to play for the Washington Wizards yeah. yet in his Would career. you ask him anything? Michael, no. Would you yeah. ask him, do you think Aaron Rodgers is a 10? <laughs> what are you playing to right now? Yeah, would you think Aaron Rodgers is a 10? Okay, so I mentioned that Wilbon was not going to be with us today because he's currently on a plane to go interview LeBron in Los Angeles. And I mentioned in the open that Steve Sands had sent us a video of Bruce Springsteen singing Thunder Road, which I assume was last night at a concert, but I'm not sure. Sands is with us now. We are not asking about Pebble. We are not asking about the Waste Management. We are not asking about the Ryder Cup. We are not asking about Greg Norman. We're not doing any of that. How was the concert, and how close to the stage were you? (laughs) Well, we were pretty close. Uh, The concert was amazing. Uh, Went Wednesday on... to Tampa for opening night, and then he played Atlanta on Friday. wasn't at that show, uh, but went to the show last night in Orlando. It was it was amazing, and yeah, we were pretty close. It was a lot of fun. We were in what's called the pit, so probably you know six seven people back uh, from Bruce and the whole band. It was it was amazing. So you wrote in the in the email. The only thing missing was Liz Clark. She's been to over a hundred shows. How many Springsteen yeah. shows have you been to? Well, Liz and I spent a lot of time on the phone uh, earlier in the week uh, after the Tampa show. I called her, uh, I texted her, and she called me back, and we chatted for a long time. And it's a uh, it's a great kinship for us. Uh, we love we love the Bruce Springsteen and the Street Band, and everybody knows that. But uh, to not have Liz there, I need to see a show with Liz. I love listening to Liz on your show. I love reading Liz's work in the Washington Post. Uh, I love her as a human being, and uh, I need to see a show with Liz. It would be uh, it would be amazing to stand there and listen to her, you know, sing and go crazy and dance the whole time, and uh, know every word, every song. Well, how many have you been to? Oh, you know, Liz and I were talking about that the other day. At least 150. Oh my uh, God! Wow! Yeah, really? I've got, I've got I've got problems. I've got <laughs> major problems. 150? That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, my I went to a show when I was a kid, like way years and years ago, uh, with my older brother David, uh, and I've been going ever since. And there were a couple times where, when he was touring, that I may or may not have had a lot going on work-wise, professionally. So I spent a lot of time and a lot of money traveling around and seeing uh, Bruce and the band, um, you know, 15, 20, 25 times a year, a couple of times. So, yeah, I'm somewhere in the 150s. It's not not good. I don't recommend it. Uh, But, you know, you you like what you like. Do you know anybody in the band? Do you get special seats? Uh, You know, there are a bunch of us. And Liz and I were chatting about this the other day. There, there are a bunch of us who have spent a lot of time <laughs> traveling around uh, domestically and internationally, seeing the band, seeing uh, Bruce. And you get to know some of the guys in the crew. You get to know some of the people uh, who travel around. And I've made some really good uh, Bruce friends, if you will. 
uh, over the years. Wow. And I got to say, last night was, was bizarre. I'm in the middle of the concert, literally in the middle of the concert. And I'm not kidding you. This actually happened. Guy comes up, whispers La Cheeserie in my ear. <laughs> oh, right. oh, my God. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Oh, my God. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a second. So, literally, you know, everybody's bouncing, hanging out. Uh, you're staying on the whole show. You're rocking, having a good time, um, singing, sweating, the whole thing. Guy comes up. I'm not kidding. Puts his hand out and says, La Cheeserie. <laughs> I just started laughing. And the people around me are like, what was that? What was that? What <laughs> yeah. happened? I go, I don't know. You know, there's some guy saying hello. Very, very nice. Uh, and then he gives me a card. All right, His name is John Kelly. Very nice guy. And says, I work the shows in D.C. I'm a D.C. guy. I would give anything for you to give me a shout out the next time you're on the show with Tony. <laughs> now, I have no idea. No, this is the middle of the concert. I had no idea that we were going to be chatting this morning. No, uh, I'm sorry that Mike, I'm sorry that Mike couldn't make it, uh, but I'm happy to share that with you. That John Kelly, a big La Cheeserie shout out at the Springsteen concert. Now, I'm thinking about this on the way home last night with some friends. And by the way, truth be told, we may or may not have had a couple of beers. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's all right. And on the way home, I'm thinking. The Olympics in Rio, sitting in Arnold Palmer's golf cart at Bay Hill, or a U.S. Open at Oakmont, all the airports, the restaurants, the bars, everywhere you go, sitting in the pit, standing in the pit of a Springsteen concert, while it's going on, somebody walking up to you and saying, La Cheeserie. That's the all-time, that's got to be the all-time greatest La Cheeserie shout-out I've ever heard. But he's a big fan of your guys' show, uh, and it was very, very cool. That's remarkable. That really is. Uh, by the way, I mean, uh, you've been to all these shows. Do, are, are the shows, like if you went to the one in Tampa and you went to the one in Orlando, are they essentially right. the same or are they different? I mean, I know that every time he plays Thunder Road and he's been doing this for 40 years, he he lets everybody else sing all the time. But I understand right. that. But are they different? They are. They, um, so Tampa was, they're essentially the same, but there are different set lists. Uh, and it all kind of seemingly depends on whether his wife, Patty Scalfa, is there or not. Patty usually stands, if you're looking at the stage, to the right uh, in the corner, plays guitar and sings a little bit, plays some songs so that she can come in and sing with him. Right. Um, like Brilliant Disguise, for instance. Right. They, whenever she plays, that song is always played, and they sing it together. Last night, she wasn't there. She was there on opening night in Tampa. So the set list was different. It was 28 songs, two hours, 45 minutes. That's the same. What was different was that they played different songs. They right. didn't play Thunder Road on Wednesday in Tampa. I couldn't believe it. I was, wow. wow. I haven't been to a Springsteen show in forever and not heard that song and they didn't play it on wednesday night in tampa on opening night and my buddies and i who are who was with last night we were all thinking you gotta play thunder road right and patty was not on stage you don't really know if patty's going to be on stage or not uh, until you actually see it it's not like they it's not like they tell you in advance and once we saw that patty was not there we knew the set list was going to be different so there were probably i would guess i'd have to look at the, i'd have to look online but there are probably at least four, maybe five or six different songs last night 
that we did not hear in Tampa on Wednesday. And it uh, it was special. It was great. It was great to see them. So I, I got to tell you, here's another thing I was thinking about. You're 74, Tony? Is that yeah. what you said on the, on the show? I'm, I'm a year older than him. He'll be 74. Yeah. He's 73. Yeah. You're 74. And I mean this sincerely. The two of you are at the top of your craft. It's amazing to see the two of you do your thing at the ages that you are. And it's a gift. It's a gift to all of us. I mean that as a friend, and I mean that as a, as a listener to your show. It's a gift to all of us that we get to sit here and listen to you do your shows. It's also a gift to be able to still continue after all these years seeing Springsteen and the E Street Band crank it out. It was it was amazing, man. It's like a religious experience for those of us who love it, uh, but it really is an amazing, amazing performance. Thank you so much for the compliment, and, and thank you for just jumping on the show. I had no idea you went to that many shows. That's great. Thank you. Well, next time we'll talk golf, I promise. Thanks, Steve. No, no, no. I'd much rather talk about this than yeah. golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Anytime. Okay. My pleasure. Steve Sands, boys and girls. Uh, we will take a break, and Pat Forty will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser this is sent to us by Eric Shaw of Virginia Beach. His band is called Southridge. This is called Going Out on Top. He writes, I don't have any deeper meaningful story behind this one as the inspiration for the song was nothing more than a legendary hangover. But quite a bit has happened in my life since I last sent you a song. I moved from Westfield, Indiana to Virginia Beach so that my wife could pursue a new career opportunity. While I love living five minutes from the ocean, was hard to leave my band back in Indiana. Don't worry, though. It's not a half-pink hangover situation. I went back to play some Southridge shows in August, and again this past New Year's Eve. I'll be going back to share a stage with the guys again in July. So if anyone is in the Yorktown, Indiana area, on the 29th of July, we'll be at the Yorktown Civic Green. This is a good band. Yes. Southridge. This is a good band. A going really out good on top. We like this song. Thanks for sending it to us, Eric. Thank you. And it plays in Pat Forty. Pat Forty was at the uh, Duke-North Carolina game on Saturday evening, 6.30 start, game that I watched. We can talk about it after this. He had something happen to him on Friday night that is, and everybody I've told this story to, it's, they all agree, it's totally remarkable. Please tell everybody what happened on Friday night. Uh, so, Tony, I was... Um having a cocktail at a place called the Crunkleton on Franklin Street, the big uh, drag in Chapel Hill. Cool little bar. Uh, great place. My favorite place to go. And uh, I had my cocktail, and I was going to pay and leave and go eat dinner, and I, I asked for the check, and lo and behold, I got a note that just said, La Cheeserie, it's on us. Go Hills. <laughs> 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 It's unbelievable. That's just great. It's unbelievable. Did you? Did My anyone financial s- compensation doing your show? Yeah. Thank you, Uncle 
Did anybody there come over to you and say, I am a listener? Was it an owner? Was it a server? How did it unfold? That, yeah, we just I had a brief conversation there. Yeah, that, I love the show, love hearing you on there. Big college sports fan, big college basketball fan. <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, I, I gave them a nice tip and, and thanked them profusely for the, for the free drink. But uh, it was, uh, you know, it's, I think the community is everywhere. It's amazing. It's the, the Kornheiser community. I when I told this story to McManus, she she was speechless, <laughs> as as was I when I got the got the text from Pat. I mean, that is it's because you know everybody who does this. You do a podcast. You you know this. You sit down at a microphone. You assume people are listening, but in fact, the only people you're doing it for are the people sitting with you because you just don't know if anyone else right. is listening. You, you have no idea. And the notion that somebody would listen in Chapel Hill to a show that's largely about Washington, D.C. junk, but they would listen in Chapel Hill, recognize you, and do this is, it? I don't know any other word than fantastic, right? Oh, absolutely. Warmed my heart, that's for sure. And I will say, too, totally independent of that, the next day in the press room before the game, Somebody walks by, La Cheese are in. Like, hello, how are you? I mean, I, I, I get it a lot, but uh, to get it in two days in a row there was uh, was very cool. It's wonderful. Just amazing. It's just amazing. So uh, I'm going to just set this up by telling you this. UNC Duke, to me, in basketball, is Ohio State, Michigan in football, or USC, UCLA in football, or, you know, whatever else you want to use, Auburn, Alabama. Football. I mean, it's you make room for it. If you find out, particularly at my age, that it starts at 6.30, you can go the distance on UNC North Carolina. My daughter-in-law is a dookie. Her father went to Chapel Hill. Larry Brown is a very large figure in my life. Larry Brown, in his 60s and 70s, when he did sound checks, because I watched him, and they would say, could you just say something for us? He would go, this is Larry Brown of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And he hadn't, you know, that's what he did. That's how he identified himself. So these games are part of the fabric of my life. In the Washington Post the next day, Pat, on the Sunday paper, there was not a mention of it. And the only place it was listed is in the agate lines of what the scores were yesterday. It said in the South, Duke X, North Carolina X. It wasn't in there. In the, in the roundup, it wasn't in there. Duke, North Carolina wasn't in there. That was stunning, shocking, and actually disappointing to me. And I wonder, you know, what, what does that say to you? Well, it, it is stunning and shocking. I agree. And it, I think it says two things. I think that's partly a commentary on media, but also a commentary on where the two programs are at the mm-hmm, moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I said in my, my advanced column I wrote, I said this is a, a rivalry with a hangover. You know, that the last two games were so big, so epic, that yes. I don't think people have gotten over them completely, especially when this year's teams are just kind of pretty good. Maybe even a little worse than that for North Carolina. Just, I think North Carolina, you could say, is disappointing because they got most of the same guys back from the team that nearly won the national championship. Right. Uh, you lose the giant figure of Mike Krzyzewski. Year before that, you lost the giant figure of Roy Williams. And, yeah, there's definitely some juice missing there that's almost always there. And they played the game, and then it was a good game. And you're like, oh, Duke Carolina always delivers. 
but still, just the, the aura of it was not the same. It's like, where are these programs and where are they going? And I think that Cress Rowe reflected that. I was the only national media person there. Really? There was nobody, like I said, nobody from the Post, nobody no. from Times, nobody no. from you know, the other big websites. Uh, it was really quite surprising to me from that standpoint. Uh, actually, Jeff Goodman was there, but that, that's it. And, and so it, it was just a, a very different feel than the normal cataclysm that is Duke, South Carolina. So I'm watching this game, and, and obviously, since I knew Mark Krzyzewski very well, back to the days when he coached at Army, and I know Roy Williams very well, and I know that they're missing. But the guys who are coaching are guys who went to those schools and in Shire's case won a national championship at Duke. And Hubert Davis was one of the really good players of the last 25 years or 30 years at North Carolina. And it had exactly what you're describing. It had no particular sizzle even with that. And I've got to believe that that is losing Mike and Roy. And as you say, North Carolina, in a magazine that you know very, very well, was picked number one preseason and and is not even in the top 25, right? Yeah, no, neither team was ranked. The last time these two played each other where neither was ranked was 1960. So that tells you a little bit, you know? Wow. It has just been such a constant... And to have either of them near the top, you know, is really, it, it, is, uh, it is very unfamiliar, that's for sure. And the, the coaching matchup, the last time there were two coaches this inexperienced in this game was World War II. It was January of 1945. So, I mean, this is kind of unprecedented times for this rivalry. Um, and they are following legends. And it's always, and I, I cannot stress this enough, it's always a mistake to follow a legend. Always. But they're doing it, and it's the lure of alma mater, and they are great jobs. They're fabulous jobs. Do you have a sense of either of these coaches, Davis or Shire, that you think they're good or not good? Or I, I think it's probably too early to tell. Uh, yes, I would say the last point there. Uh, you know, I mean, yes, to your point, though, you never want to be the man who follows no. the man, no. right? And no. they both are following the man, and... It's a, a largely thankless task. Yes. Um, you know, Hubert Davis put together an epic run last year. They won yeah. 11 out of 12 games that included beating Mike Krzyzewski twice, twice. at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and making that run. But if you look before then and if you look after then, it's like, eh, this team's a bit disappointing. And so which is the real Carolina? Can they do that again? Can they replicate that, that kind of run again this March? We'll, we'll find out. <clears throat> Hubert's, I mean, they're, they're both incredibly likable guys. Yes. Um, you know, and I think they're very confident in what they're doing, especially Hubert. Hubert has a confidence about him that he, he can do this job. But, but we will see when he's got his own recruits in there and, and just where the program is going. And, again, if they can kind of pull out of the regular season malaise that they're in. As for Duke, you know, Shire, <clears throat> really, I mean, it's, again, it's a super young team. It's, it's all either freshmen or transfers plus one holdover, Jeremy Roach. He's 35 years old. They've had injuries. I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be fine. I'm not sure he's going to be Mike Krzyzewski because nobody is. That's but, right. You know, I think he will be a successful winning coach at Duke. But, gosh, I mean, the, the, you know, just, just living in the shadow of those two guys every day 
uh, it's got to be difficult for both Hubert and for, for John Shire. You mentioned how uh, North Carolina went on a great run last year. Sometimes schools go on a run and get to the NCAAs, and then they fall off the face of the earth like Georgetown. Remember when, mm. when they won the Big East tournament? Oh, yeah. And then they haven't won. They've won one game since. They've won one game in the Big East since. That's it. So that stuff happens. I, I have not. I had written a question, why are we so blah about this season? We are not so blah about this season. I'm blah about this season. I think that has to do with football uh, and the domination of the NFL and even college football for long periods of time. But I did see that Purdue was number one, and Wilbon had this right. He said that Indiana was going to beat Purdue and in Assembly Hall, and Indiana did beat Purdue. They only have two ranked schools in the entire conference, those two schools, what are your thoughts on Purdue? Are they are they? There's not a great team out there, right? There is not a great team out there, which is another reason why this season feels a bit blah. We yeah. don't have the big name schools, and we don't have like just this great team that you that is just going to dazzle you. Uh, I think Indiana was going to win as well. Just look, Purdue's really good, and Zach Eady is amazing, seven foot four center, and Matt Painter's a really good coach. But that is not this unbelievable collection of talent you watch them and they're like yeah okay they're they're doing very well with what they have they're not going to out talent people at the latter stages of the ncaa tournament purdue has an absolutely tortured history in the ncaa tournament including oh, yes. last year's team which oh, yes. lost to st peter's uh you know and one and- final eight for matt painter when <laughs> when you yeah. want to say that matt painter is the best coach in the country as micah shrewsbury did the other day consider this he's been a one final eight and in his own conference, Tom Izzo's been to eight Final Fours. So please, back off, Sparky. Am I right, Pat? <laughs> yes. yes. Matt Painter does incredible work with what he has, but I, you know, I, they have had some ghastly, ghastly marches. And you, know, that, that you can't overlook that when you're discussing uh, Matt Painter's career. So you know, it is one of those seasons you're looking for like, hey, Kelvin Sampson in Houston, well... They play hard, okay. I mean, there's some storylines there, but you don't watch them and say, holy cow, they're great. Right. Uh, you know, the Big 12's really good, but they all beat each other up. Uh, you know, UCLA is pretty good. Uh, Alabama has incredible talent, and they're actually fun to watch. Tennessee is just, a, they will grind you to pulp. You know, it's just there's not a lot to grab onto. And that I've been discussing that with my editors. Like, who do we write stories about? You wait a week and everybody loses. Yeah. Nobody wins more than two in a row. Yeah. Let me get back to Zach Eady. Um, because we were doing a story the other day on Purdue. You know, I watched a little bit of tape that was sent to me. Very little, you know, five minutes or whatever on Zach Eady. And I know that Wilbon says he's very big and very, he's very big and very strong. And Tom Izzo said... We, we could not, co- you know, we couldn't do anything with him. Uh, and he's got great hand skills. And he's a traditional, and by traditional, I mean from the 50s and 60s kind of center. But boy, oh boy, Pat, he looked really slow to me. He looked really slow. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, there's a reason he's still in college, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's seven foot four, and he's incredibly durable, and he has good touch, and he's a very nice young man. But yeah, his feet don't move super fast, and right. that's in today's NBA where you've got a guard on the perimeter and you've got a guard pick and rolls and stuff like that, he's a tough fit. Um, so that's why, you know, I hope he's, he's getting good NIL paychecks at Purdue and enjoying that experience. Right. I, I'm sure he can be an NBA player, but 
I, it's going to be that's going to be the hard part, I think, for him is defensively. Just how how do you make that transition? So Wilbon talks about this all the time because Wilbon wants you to know that he hates the notion of a stretch four and he hates the notion <laughs> of, a, of a five going outside and shooting. But what is and that's why he likes Edie. But what is unsaid in that is exactly what you're saying, Pat. Well, then if you're playing against a really good shooter and you can't get anywhere near him, he's going to get 40 points, right? Yeah, yeah right. And then if you're, you know, if you're switching on the perimeter and you're in a pick-and-roll situation and all of a sudden you're you can't trying get to back. guard a guy who's 6'4", can't get back. Who's, who's lightning fast yeah. and athletic, you yeah. Know, yeah, there's problems. You know, but uh, I, I really like watching him play in college. I'm just not sure how much we're going to watch him play uh, at the next level. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, it's like uh, it's a higher degree of this, but Luke Garza was a wonderful yes. college player at Iowa. He's a marginal NBA player if he's that. Man, that's what happens. It's a pro basketball is different than college basketball. Is there a team out there that you? I mean, we're going to talk a lot during the tournament, but there is there any team out there that's really caught your eye? Uh, I guess I'd go back to Alabama just because yeah. they're they are athletic and they are fast. They play fast. They are entertaining to watch. Sometimes they're a little bit helter skelter crazy, but you know you'll take that. I, I would rather see that than see. 46 to 43, which we had with Tennessee and Auburn. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Miller, 6'9 freshman for uh, Alabama. He's probably a top five pick, can shoot and can do everything else. I mean, he's he's very talented. So, you know, I think they've got that kind of new formula, threes and dunks. That's what we do. Right. Um, and, and, again, they play fast. Now, Alabama is another school with just a miserable uh, NCAA tournament tradition, but can get over that, uh, I think they can have a, a very good postseason. All right, we will talk soon, and congratulations on getting the drink comp. That makes me very happy. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Thank you. I will alert you to all other comps I get. Yeah, that's great. Pat Forty, boys and girls, we'll take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, Five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag, got your email back. Mentioned earlier in the show, Hot Pink Hangover. They yes. broke up. Can't believe it. They Hopefully there will be a reunion at some point. Just setting it. it up. Yeah. Do you want to do the Bethesda Bagel Ad? Got the bagel sandwiches today. Always love that. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com. For the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, busted flat in Baton Rouge, waiting for a train. I was feeling near as faded as my jeans. Bobby thumbed a diesel down just before it rained. Rode us all the way to New Orleans. Um, everybody knows that Janis Joplin sung that song. Yes. Me and Bobby McGee. But not everybody knows who wrote that song. <laughs> and I know who wrote that song. Yes. Chris Christopherson wrote that song. Uh, so it was written for a man to sing. And, and it's easy. You can easily 
in your mind, make Bobby B-O-B-B-I into a woman or Bobby B-O-B-B-Y into a man. And, you know, Chris Christopherson, major talent. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Pat Forty. Oh, Wilbon didn't post. I'm sorry. I was yeah. written down. Pat Forty was our guest. Thanks to as well to today's sponsors, ZipRecruiter and Rocket Money. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. I loved your answer to a Liz when you found out that the bootster was rooting for Caroline on Saturday night. Because she said, I'm rooting for the team in blue. Yeah, he's rooting for the blue team. And I said, when the game is in North Carolina, Carolina will wear white and Duke will wear blue. Oh, so he can root for Duke then. Right. He, he just loved tracking the score. How many points do we have now? Didn't wake the kid up when his team lost. Uh, <laughs> was he upset? You didn't, you, you let him No, but I actually, it. deep down, I was happy because I could root against Duke again. Yeah. <laughs> Chan was rooting against Duke. No yeah, question childhood about that. Liz was also rooting against Duke. Let's not forget. Okay. That's right. She grew up a Tardis fan, yep. right? From Ron in Maryland, I identify with your story regarding your dentist selling his practice, the comfort you had with your former dentist putting his hands in your mouth, and your apprehension about beginning a relationship with a new professional. I don't have quite the same feelings towards my dentist, but when my urologist sold his practice, (laughs) there were a few sleepless times. (laughs) From Tim Cree in Fort Collins, Colorado, I'm with you on the dental issue. 30 years ago, my dental office had two partners, the one that always had me... um, had me you would have loved the one who always had me you would have loved because he cursed all the time even while working on your teeth (laughs) when he left the other partner took over the whole thing and i've stayed with him and now the woman related by marriage goes there as well and has for years nothing in my mouth is the factory original i have no idea what i would do if my dentist closed up shop and the office became a tax preparer or a mattress (laughs) store i guess i would just go without teeth from jimmy in fresno after hearing the unfortunate news that you and nigel would be forced to evaluate new dental care i thought to myself This is my little helping bigs opportunity. You see, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage happens to be a dentist. Mm. Unfortunately, due to the geographical distance between the DMV and Fresno, California, Mm. her services might be out of reach, but her advice can travel. I forwarded her the pod, asked her to listen to your plight, and waited with anticipation for what specks of dental wisdom she would bestow. And her response, parking is important. (laughs) It is. Good luck on your journey, and thank you for all the laughs. Yeah, because they charged me $14. The Barlow Building is the worst place to park. Yeah, it's tough. $14. It's tough. And you're not going to Saks. No. No, (laughs) No, I'm not going across the street. That's across the street and up the block. Yeah, no, that's not good. Elaine Caffrey, Duluth, Georgia. I believe that it is the unwritten law that children who grew up within driving distance of Washington, D.C., must make a pilgrimage there sometime late in elementary school. Therefore, in the early 1970s, my sister and I appropriately traveled there from our home in North Carolina to visit our father, who was teaching some job-related course all summer at the Watergate Hotel. We stayed across the street from the Watergate in the D.C. Howard Johnsons. Know it well. Every day while my father was working, the rest of us visited every museum, statue, and historic site she could find, we could find. But the most memorable part of the trip for my sister and I was the rooftop pool at the Howard Johnsons. The most amazing thing about it was there were closed-circuit TVs of the pool that you could watch in your hotel room, which in those years was practically rocket science. We loved it. We stayed in lots of hojos over the years, but the D.C. hotel really stood out. I also wanted to give a shout-out to a recent emailer from Jackson, Georgia. Georgians in the know will tell you that the best barbecue in the state is in the small town of Jackson, a bit south of Atlanta. Fresh Air Barbecue is at the top of almost every list of great barbecue spots. It's worth the detour to get it. Fresh Air Barbecue. Information for life. That is. From Kenny Lane in Albany, New York, and not the Kenny Lane I went to camp with. If the new game is coincidences that have 0% chance of ever happening, I would like to play. 
While it might not be as improbable as running into an old friend in a Hojo bathroom across the country, <laughs> I think it comes close. About 45 years ago, while entertaining the sister and husband of the woman who was soon to be related to me by marriage, we were spinning some tunes while I prepared dinner. We were playing the double album, Four Way Street, and my future brother-in-law was checking out the album jacket. He called in and said he loved it and mentioned that the beat-up jacket cover looked just like the old one that his only aunt a college roommate stole from him. And sure enough, his name was written on the record's label. <laughs> he lost that album about eight years earlier. A few years before this discovery, as a student at Albany, I was dating a girl from Huntington Station, that's on Long Island, and as we wandered around the Roosevelt Stadium flea market one weekend in your old neck of the woods, I picked it up for two bucks. So what are the chances that I buy an old album that belongs to my future, and brother, my future brother-in-law? No chance. Can I add that I was ready to buy the Revolution toaster, but now assume that it can't reheat fried fish and french fries, so I'm going with an air fryer instead? <laughs> Thanks for the ongoing laughter and endless smiles. From Jeff Kuntz, listening to the email about Edith Keeler in the Star Trek episode, City on the Edge of Forever, I remembered the connection that show had to my favorite TV show, The Andy Griffith Show, which I learned from your interview with Greg Garcia was one of his inspirations. There is a scene where Captain Kirk and Edith Keeler walk past Floyd's Barbershop from Mayberry. <laughs> Both shows filmed on the 40 Acres backlot in Culver City for exterior scenes, and they did not bother to change the window for Star Trek. And so, and then he writes, and he shows this. He shows a picture. Jeff Koontz in Brevard or Brevard, North Carolina, I'm not sure. Making TV in the 60s, no one thought about DVDs, streaming channels, or reruns in perpetuity to notice small details like this, but there are plenty of them. From the great Ed Butt, I like a bargain as much as the next guy, maybe even as much as you, but I don't buy my clothes from the likes of Jay Peterman, Territory Ahead, Sundance, or Outward Bound. Most of my wardrobe is from Land's End. Nevertheless, I have a tip for you. Prior disappointments have taught me that if you had want any chance to get the fifty-four ninety-five button-down, no-iron, pinpoint Oxford dress shirt for eighteen dollars, I have those shirts. You have to call the very second the mailman slides the catalog through your mail slot. Two yeah. reasons. One, the items they put on such deep discount are those with only a few left in which they're not going to offer next season. Otherwise, they'd keep them in the catalog at full price. Two, there are a whole lot of people out there like us who love super bargains. We have to be quicker than they are. Happy shopping, Ed Butt, 75, and episode 51. <laughs> P.S., the people in Dodgeville, Wisconsin, who answered Land's End's phone, Land's End's phone are uniformly pleasant and hopeful. Have you ever gotten Land's End? Uh, when I was teaching, I got the monogram shirts because the, the, the non-iron shirts are indestructible. Yeah, I've never gotten Land's End. Have you ever gotten Land's End? I have not, but I'm very familiar with like the put the, the fountain pen in the pocket. Um, <laughs> from Tim. Corduroy jacket. Just a brief <laughs> email, patches. likely unnecessary, as a reminder that Punxsutawney 20 Phil is actually a marmot, your favorite rodent, <laughs> excepting Harry Melber. A marmot or a marmot. 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 Yeah. This is from Michael. From Todd McElwee in Hagerstown, Maryland. A friend left his Yeti tumbler lid in my non-Subaru car. Does Michael want it? Mm. <laughs> I hope it fits my 32-ounce tumbler. <laughs> and for one more, from David George in Maple Valley. for the bottle, okay? <laughs> Maple Valley, Washington, originally of Ansonia, Connecticut. I figured getting on the random things my dog ate game would be a great time to send my first email after several loyal little years. I'm 35 now, but growing up, we had a basset hound named Ophelia. She was a very sweet dog with long ears that almost dragged on the ground and paws that always seemed to be bigger than the rest of her. She also had a penchant for eating 
whatever she wanted, and over the years sampled quite the local fare throughout our home. Some of the items include packs of chewing gum, shoes, eyeglasses, eyeglasses, eyeglasses. Ooh, dentist retainers, kitchen utensils, bed sheets, and the list goes on. Gets expensive. The most amazing thing I think I saw her eat, through, though, was an entire Hostess cupcake in the wrapper and a bottle of Advil. As I came into the living room, Ophelia had the entire cupcake, wrapper and all, between her teeth. She took one look at me, and as I started to blurt out, drop it, she swallowed it whole like a Burmese python. With the Advil, when Ophelia was seven, we found her rummaging through my sister's backpack one day to find she had eaten Advil, some gum, and a few coins. My parents rushed Ophelia to the vet's office where they pumped her stomach, hoping to save her from the effects of the Advil. My mother recalled that two pieces of a stick, two nickels, a dime, and some gum came out, but not the Advil. The vet couldn't explain it, but said to my parents, at this rate, she doesn't have long. Ophelia somehow skirted death that day and lived to be 17 years old. Wow. Far outpacing the average lifespan for a Bassett. I'm sure if she could, she would have told the vet to eat it. <laughs> Cheers to you and the gang. If you're on your, out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. You so much. And Ben. <laughs> Oh, 
I got things to do. 
in a honky-tonk legacy Well, life at you fast And my days are staying